Welcome to the Tech Meme Right Home for Friday, October 20th, 2023. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, more on the crypto terrorism allegations. The FCC is freeing up Spectrum for use by AR and VR devices. They're also laying the groundwork to bring net neutrality back. AMD's latest chips designed to rival NVIDIA. And of course, the weekend long read suggestions. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Today's headlines are sort of an echo of yesterday's headlines, though slightly different. For example, yesterday we spoke about assertions that crypto was being used to fund terrorism and how maybe the, quote, facilitators of such crypto trading need to be sanctioned. Well, the U.S. Treasury's FinCEN has proposed labeling international crypto mixers as a primary money laundering concern, citing their use by Hamas and other illicit actors. Quoting Coindesk, the Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, issued a notice of proposed rulemaking on Thursday, which will be open to public comment for 90 days. FinCEN said that mixing services, which seek to allow users to conduct transactions with anonymity, are being used by a, quote, variety of illicit actors throughout the world, referring by name to Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, DPRK, otherwise known as North Korea. The agency said this proposed rule is a key part of the ongoing effort to boost transparency in the crypto markets. The Treasury Department and the wider administration of President Joe Biden have been under pressure from U.S. lawmakers to do something about the use of crypto to support terrorism, especially in light of reports that Hamas received some crypto donations in advance of its attack this month in Israel. FinCEN Director Andrea Gacki noted that this is her agency's first ever use of its power to target so-called primary money laundering concerns on a whole class of transactions. If the designation is made, the Treasury Department can impose restrictions on U.S. financial firms' dealings with the mixers, which, quote, range from requiring additional due diligence and special attention concerning particular account transactions among U.S. financial institutions, to prohibiting the opening or maintenance of any correspondent or payable through accounts, end quote. After the comment period, the agency will have to review that input before it can advance a final rule, end quote. And yesterday, we had some crypto headlines around new lawsuits brought by the government. This would be the reverse of that. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has dropped charges alleging Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse and its chairman Chris Larson aided and abetted their company in violating securities laws. Quoting Coindesk again, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission will no longer pursue claims that Ripple's CEO Brad Garlinghouse or Executive Chairman Chris Larson aided and abetted the company in violating federal securities laws in its XRP transactions, canceling a trial scheduled for next year and giving the crypto company another victory in the agency's long-running suit against it while moving the regulator closer to appealing a federal judge's ruling in the case. According to a filing Thursday afternoon, the parties agreed to voluntarily dismiss the aiding and abetting charges against the two executives with prejudice, meaning it cannot be filed again. The SEC will continue pursuing its claims against Ripple, the filing said. For nearly three years, Chris and I have been the subject of baseless allegations from a rogue regulator with a political agenda, said Garlinghouse in a statement. Instead of looking for the criminals stealing customer funds on offshore exchanges that were courting public favor, the SEC went after the good guys, end quote. Ripple won a major, if partial, victory in July when the judge overseeing the case ruled that the company had not violated federal securities laws in making XRP available to retail investors by putting it on exchanges. In the same ruling, Judge 
Analicia Torres, said the company had violated federal securities law in selling XRP directly to institutional investors. It's the second part where the SEC and Ripple will continue discussions, Thursday's filing indicated. Similarly, the dropped charges are tied to the institutional sales, which would have gone on trial next April, end quote. Meanwhile, the FCC is busy as well, unanimously approving a petition by Apple, Meta, Google, Microsoft, and others for access to the 6 gigahertz band for Wi-Fi tethering for AR and VR headsets, quoting The Verge. FCC Chair Jessica Rosenworcel proposed new rules which would authorize very low power or VLP operations, meaning their signals won't be able to go very far, in about 850 megahertz of the spectrum on September 27th. The rules will allow devices to use higher power levels so long as they're geofenced to keep from interfering with actual licensed 6 gigahertz usage, and the FCC will be taking comments on other ways it can expand 6 gigahertz spectrum usage by technology devices. A September Bloomberg report pointed to some of the kinds of devices the FCC's affirmative vote could open up, including in-car connections, mobile, virtual, or augmented reality devices, and more. The FCC originally opened up the 1,200 megahertz of the 6 gigahertz spectrum for unlicensed use by Wi-Fi routers and client devices, think smartphones or laptops, giving home networks far more wireless overhead than the existing Wi-Fi standards already had. This new approval expands the spectrum for much more general use. Several tech companies, including Microsoft, Google, Apple, and Meta, petitioned the FCC to let them have access to the 6 gigahertz band in 2019. The decision could benefit some of the more difficult projects those companies have been working on, such as AR glasses. Both Apple and Google have had trouble in that arena, as has Meta, which has released smart glasses, sure, but not of the reality augmenting variety. Opening up extra spectrum gives the companies and any others that want to a little more connectivity freedom than they had before, end quote. Meanwhile, the FCC also voted 3-2 to two to invite the U.S. public to comment on reestablishing net neutrality rules, though it should be noted that the broader effort to do that probably still faces a long legal and political battle. Quoting TechCrunch, the more detailed arguments will surely be laid out in detail over the next few months as the rulemaking process proceeds, and likely over the next few years as the inevitable legal challenges appear. You may recall that the public comment period for net neutrality nearly broke the system, and later the reversal comment period was an embarrassment. Millions of comments were fake or cooked up by telecom lobbyist firms. The FCC has since improved its comment process, but we can probably expect similar shenanigans to come." End quote. AMD has unveiled the Radeon RX 7900M, a rival to NVIDIA's RTX 4080, and the first laptop GPU to use a chiplet design. It's available in Dell's new Alienware M18 laptop. Quoting PC World, AMD is working with Dell's Alienware division to launch the chip as part of the Alienware M18 laptop launching today. The laptop will be used to show off both the RX 7900M as well as the complementary top-of-the-stack 7945HX processor, according to Priti Nagarajan, the AMD product manager in charge of the chip. The RX 7900M is built on the RDNA 3 architecture and is the complement to the Radeon RX 7900 desktop chip AMD launched in November 2022, time to undercut NVIDIA's RTX 40 series reveal. The same principle applies to how AMD sees the 7900M against NVIDIA's offerings. 
Obviously, the RX 7900M will differ from its desktop counterpart in price, but it's fair to compare the two when it comes to other specifications. AMD's new mobile chip also boasts what it calls second-generation ray tracing capabilities. It's not exactly clear whether there's a substantial difference over the improved ray tracing that debuted in the desktop version of the RX 7000 series, which included 1.5x more rays in flight. It's likely to be the same, however. The RX 7900M chip includes AV1 encoding and decoding capabilities the same as the desktop version. There is an interesting twist, however. AMD recently announced FSR3, the Radeon-specific rival to NVIDIA's DLSS3. Both technologies work by smoothing frame rates to create a smoother visual experience. AMD's portion of that, known as Fluid Motion Frames, has been confined to specific games, namely Immortals of Avanum and Forspoken. Now, according to Nagarajan, AMD is working to make the feature global, presumably to every game played on a supported Radeon GPU." End quote. I'm going to a big AI startup demo day here in the city tomorrow, and I will 100% be decked out in Mack Weldon clothing. Why? Well, Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. That's their air-knit underwear. Crazy, comfortable, but elevated sweatpants, the Ace Collection. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads, the Silver Peak Polo. That's my personal fave. And ultra-soft antimicrobial tees for when you need to stay fresh longer, their Silver Crewneck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code RIDE. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code RIDE. In 2023, just 10 vulnerabilities accounted for over half of the incidents responded to by our sponsors today, Arctic Wolf Incident Response. Wouldn't you love to know how to take these vulnerabilities off the table and make life more difficult for cybercriminals? That's just one of the essential insights you'll find inside the Arctic Wolf Labs 2024 Threats Report. Authored by their elite team of security researchers, data scientists, and security development engineers, and backed by the data gained from trillions of weekly observations within thousands of unique environments, this report offers expert analysis into attack types, root causes, top vulnerabilities, TTPs, and more. Discover the attack vectors behind nearly half of all successful cybercrimes, why ransom demands climbed 20% from 2023, and find out why 2024 will be an especially volatile year for cybersecurity. Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme. That's arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme. In a recent long read segment, I shared a piece about the fall from great heights of the FaZe Clan, that esports juggernaut. Well, FaZe Clan has been acquired by esports holding company Games Square Holdings in a deal valuing FaZe at only $16 million, which is down from a $725 million market cap when FaZe Clan had its 2022 SPAC merger. Quoting Digiday, 
GameSquare, also a publicly traded firm, is an esports holding company with ample business units designed to help capture brands' attention and marketing budgets, such as Stream Hatchet and Ninja Labs. By acquiring FaZe, GameSquare is looking to bolster its connections with the competitive gaming audience by taking ownership of one of esports' oldest and most recognizable pieces of intellectual property. The deal marks the end of a hellacious chapter for FaZe Clan. It started when the esports organization went public in July 2022 after being valued at $400 million last May. From there, chaos ensued. Over the summer, the organization found itself mired in numerous accusations of sexism and homophobia. Its share price has plummeted to $0.18 following an August 2022 high of $24.69. The company laid off roughly 40% of its staff in May. And former CEO Lee Trink parted ways with FaZe on September 13th, among other negative events. Despite all these issues, FaZe Clan still holds a considerable amount of value in esports. For better or worse, FaZe's massive following, a total of $260 million across social channels, according to the data platform GIQ, is arguably one of the most passionate in the space. With this in mind, it's not hard to think why a savvy business might view FaZe's depressed share price as an irresistible opportunity, regardless of the inherent risks." End quote. I spoke its name, so I invoked it, which means it's time for the Weekend Long Read Suggestions. First up, at the AI conference a couple weeks ago, there was tons of talk about open source being the future of AI. Lots of excitement around open source AI models. So, from the Times, a look at the nonprofit Allen Institute for AI, led by a respected former computer scientist from Apple who is trying to bring the world a truly open AI model. Quote, The leading chatbot makers, Microsoft-backed OpenAI and Google, have kept their newer technology closed, not revealing how their AI models are trained and tuned. Google in particular has a long history of publishing its research and sharing its AI software, but it has increasingly kept its technology to itself as it has developed BARD. That approach, the companies say, reduces the risk that criminals hijack the technology to further flood the internet with misinformation and scams or engage in more dangerous behavior. Supporters of open systems acknowledge the risks, but say having more smart people working to combat them is the better solution. The Allen Institute has taken a first step by releasing a huge data set for training AI models. It is made of publicly available data from the web, books, academic journals, and computer code. The data set is curated to remove personally identifiable information and toxic language like racist and obscene phrases. The Allen Institute data trove is the largest open data set currently available, Mr. Farhadi said. Since it was released in August, it has been downloaded more than 500,000 times on Hugging Face, a site for open source AI resources and collaboration. At the Allen Institute, the data set will be used to train and fine-tune a large generative AI program, OLMO, O-L-M-O, or Open Language Model, which will be released this year or early next. The big commercial AI models, Mr. Farhadi said, are black box technology. Quote, we're pushing for a glass box, he said. Open up the whole thing, and then we can talk about the behavior and explain partly what's happening inside, end quote. Only a handful of core generative AI models of the size that the Allen Institute has in mind are openly available. They include Meta's Llama and Falcon, a project backed by the Abu Dhabi government, end quote. Then, if you've been following the Sam Bankman-Fried trial, you'll know that we've finally gotten a sense of the last few days and even few hours of FTX. Quote, That night, Mr. Singh knocked on Mr. Wang's bedroom door in the penthouse they shared at the Albany, a luxury apartment complex on the Bahamian island of New Providence. They discussed the withdrawals from FTX, Mr. Wang testified. Mr. Wang said he had performed a few calculations and had been pleasantly surprised to find that FTX had enough funds to repay its customers. 
But when he shared the news with Mr. Bankman-Fried, he recalled the FTX founder prodded him to look more closely, asking, are you including our Korean friend? Mr. Bankman-Fried was alluding to a mysteriously labeled account on FTX where he had transferred the debt that Alameda owed to customers. The account showed that $8 billion was missing, Mr. Wang testified. That evening, Mr. Sun went on a walk with Mr. Bankman-Fried at the Albany. Mr. Bankman-Fried wanted to know whether Alameda could come up with any legal justifications for borrowing FTX customer funds. Mr. Sun ran through a few theoretical options, but nothing was supported by the facts, he testified. Quote, Sam basically said something like, got it, Mr. Sun said. He wasn't surprised at all, end quote. And finally, back to AI. Computers can see, in a sense, and they can hear, again, in a sense, in the sense that they can also touch by doing things like taking temperature readings and the like. But what if AI is about to enable computers to smell for the very first time? Quoting The Atlantic, At the end of August, researchers published a paper presenting a model that can describe a molecule's scent as well as or even better than a person, at least in limited trials. The computer program does so by placing molecules on a sort of odor map where flowery smells are closer together than to, say, rotten ones. By quantitatively organizing odors, the research could mark a significant advance in enhancing our understanding of human perception. As it is already done for the study of vision and language, AI may be auguring a revolution in the study of this more enigmatic human sense. The last time we digitized a human sense was a generation ago. Alex Wilczeko, a neuroscientist and co-author of the paper, told me, these opportunities don't come along that often. Computers can't quite smell yet, but this research is a big step toward that goal, which Wilczenko began pursuing at Google Research and is now the focus of his startup, Osmo. People have been trying to predict smell from chemical structure for a long time. Hiroaki Matsunami, a molecular biologist at Duke who studies olfaction and was not involved with the study, told me, this is the best at this point in order to do that task. In a sense, it's a great advance, end quote. So there is a bonus episode coming at you this weekend, kind of. I spoke this week about how I'm exploring the launch of this podcast, maybe in other languages, thanks to AI. But since I don't speak any other languages, I can't tell myself if the tech is ready for primetime. Instead of asking folks to email me, then to listen to various dubs of the show that I email back in various languages, something that would take a lot of back and forth. Instead, I'm going to release a bonus episode this weekend of Thursday's show, yesterday's show, dubbed in five different languages, which will be Spanish, Arabic, Hindi, Chinese, and German, in that order, all in one bonus episode. If any of you speak one of those languages, please skip through in the episode to the dub in the language you know, and could you get in touch with me and tell me, is the dubbing good enough that it would be listenable, or are we not quite there yet? Maybe it's a little too fast, maybe the translations aren't ideal. Please send me your impressions at brian at techmeme.com. Thanks in advance. Obviously, if you don't speak any of those five languages, then there's not going to be much for you to get out of this bonus episode, though it might be fun to give a quick listen to how the AI handles things in various languages. I did a test episode earlier this week in Spanish where the AI had me calling Adam Moseri El Jefe de Instagram, which fair cop, right? So skip this one if you'd like, but this is the most efficient way for me to get feedback on all these different languages to see if I should set up other feeds or if I should wait for the tech to get better. Talk to you on Monday.